Well, we are uh, finishing up today our uh, series, Why? And remember, what we've been doing is asking those uh, questions. And we've been asking, you know, not just relevant questions, but relevant because often they are, are difficult questions. And uh, today, uh, we ask the last question. And uh, what is probably, I think, uh, the most difficult question? And I have to be honest with you, it, it's not a difficult question because the answer is so hard to find. Uh, scripture just, just makes it clear over and over again what, what the answers are uh, to this question. Now, I think the difficulty for us is it's, it's not hard finding the answer. The difficulty is that so often when we ask this question, we don't ask it with our reason. We ask it out of our emotion. So things happen in the world, and uh, we see a bunch of children who are killed in a school because somebody walks in with a gun, and we say, why? How could that happen? God, how could you let that happen? But even more difficult is we have experiences in our own lives where people we love or ourselves face tremendously difficult things, and we ask the same question. God, why? How could this happen? I mean, that is the difficulty of our question this morning. Why do bad things happen to good people? And as we walk through the answers this morning, I know even before I start giving you the answers that somehow these answers will be inadequate if you only allow your emotion to ask the question. Now, the challenge for each of us this morning is to let our reason and our faith catch up with our emotion. And if we do that, when suffering comes our way, it will take on a whole new perspective. Let me show you how that works. First, let's start by asking, why do bad things happen to good people? First answer. Well, maybe it's simply because you and I live in an absolutely broken world. And that's just the truth that Scripture proclaims, right? That, that you and I live in and participate in an absolutely broken world. And so you go to Genesis, and you get in Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. You know, God is creating, and he creates Adam and Eve, and everything is good. Adam and Eve are walking with God, and they're, they don't even know they're naked, and there's no shame, and everything is absolutely good, right? But when we get to Genesis 3... All of a sudden, in Genesis 3, sin enters the world. And when sin entered the world, everything changed. Everything changed. You get God coming to Adam and Eve, and he says, uh, the Lord said to him, Who told you that you were naked? All of a sudden, for the first time, they discover their nakedness. He says, Have you eaten? Have you eaten the fruit of the tree that I commanded you not to eat? The man said, Well, it was the woman. You put her here, after all. She gave me some of that fruit of the tree, and I ate it. God said to the woman, have you done this? And the woman said, well, it was the serpent. The serpent did it. She tricked me. He tricked me. That's why I ate. What's going on? All of a sudden, in Genesis 3, everybody now is pointing the finger at everybody else. Right? That's the first time. What happened? Sin entered into the world. Now you've got to understand, when sin entered the world, now this is really important, 
when it came into the world, it came in and it infected the fabric of creation. It didn't just come into the world and kind of roam around. When sin came into the world, sin came in and it infected the very fabric of creation. It entered in, and it entered in in a way that even the creative process itself became interrupted and influenced by sin. And so over my 32 years of ministry, there have been times where I have had to sit with moms and dads and cry with them as they mourn the death of their newborn child. Or sit with moms and dads who struggle with the reality that their child is born into the world and has some kind of physical challenge going on. Why did that happen? Because sin is in the world. And sin came in and it interrupted the very fabric of the creative process itself. We are going to suffer. Why? Because sin is in the world. Jesus reaffirms that for us in John 16. This is just an awesome, great verse for us to remember. Jesus says, I have told you these things so that you can have peace because of me. Where does our peace come from? Because of him, right? Not us, him. Okay? Not this world, him. Okay? Then he gives us the big word. He says, in this world you will have what? Trouble. That's the word. You will have trouble. Okay? Now, here's what happens. Often, when we hear that phrase, Jesus saying that, we do just what I did. We look at that phrase, and the word that grabs us is the word trouble. We say, well, we're going to have trouble? Yeah, we're going to have trouble. Because sin is in the world, we're going to have trouble. But if you look at that phrase, the powerful part of the phrase isn't just that the reality of trouble. The trouble is it's this world. You see that? In this world, the way it is. In this world, the way it is now because sin is in the world. In this world, because it's a broken place. In this world, you and I should anticipate and expect we're going to have trouble. Suffering is going to come our way. It is the way it is in a broken, broken world. That's why his last statement in this, in this verse is so incredible and hopeful and powerful for us. He says, in this world, the way it is, you're going to have trouble. But cheer up. I have won the battle over the world. Now, I want you to notice, he says, I have won the battle. You tell me, are battles nice and neat and comfortable and cozy? Absolutely not. What happens in battles? People get hurt. People get wounded. Blood is spilled. Battles are tough. They are messy. They are ugly. And there's always suffering in battles. That's this world. He's saying that's what we, that's what we just, we just got to get our head and our heart around that reality. That sometimes... We will simply experience suffering in our lives because you and I are part of and we live in this world the way it is. Difficult, but true. Second, 
We will experience suffering in our lives simply because evil is still trying to win. And so interesting to me, we often forget this. We know this is true in our heads, in our hearts. We know this is true. But often when suffering comes our way, the question we ask is, God, why are you doing this? Right? Kind of like Adam said, God, you gave me the woman after all. And we forget. We forget the truth the scripture said is there is an evil force loose in the world and that evil force is still trying to win the world. And you know who its best target is? Do you know where the crosshairs are pointed most of the time? Right at God's people. That's where it is. The evil one is actively working and he wants you to ask the question and say, God, why are you doing this? How can you be God and do this to me? That's what he wants. I can prove it to you. If you look at Job, Job 1, you all know, the experience of Job. Job 1 says, there was once a man named Job who lived in the land of Oz. Oz. Oops, sorry, Oz. Oz. <laughs> Maybe Oz was Oz. I don't know. It's good. Anyway, he was blameless, a man of complete integrity. He feared God and stayed away from evil. Was Job a good guy? Amen. He was a good guy. This was a good, good guy. I mean, the Bible is going out of its way to show you and describe to you that Job was incredibly good. And yet some really bad stuff happened in his life. Why? It says the Lord asked Satan, they're hanging out, Satan comes around, the Lord asked Satan, hey, have you noticed my servant Job? He, he is the finest man in all the earth. He's blameless. He's a man of complete integrity. He fears God. He stays away from evil. You see, God knows the heart of Job. He knows Job. He knows he's a good guy. But look at evil's response. Evil says, yes, but Job has a good reason to fear God. You've always put a wall of protection around him in his home and his property. You've made him prosper in everything he does. Look how rich he is. Now comes the key. Here it is. But reach out and take away everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. What does evil want? He wants you to experience suffering and blame God and say, God you are worthless. That's what he wants. Should we be so surprised that suffering is going to come our way when we know there is an enemy active in a broken world who is trying to get each one of us to blame God for absolutely everything that's wrong? He wants us to blame God and to walk away from God. And his greatest tool is to bring that suffering into our lives. The question is, in Job, can you love God? Can you trust God? Can you praise God even in the middle of your suffering? Or are you only in it for the time being while God is good to you? Can you have faith? Or you're only going to have faith because God is good to you. The evil one wants you to have fair weather faith. And when things get tough, you say, God, why are you doing this? And you curse him. Sometimes we have suffering 
just because evil is actively working in our life and in our world. Sometimes, sometimes suffering comes our ways simply because others cause it to happen. You know this is true. Have you been through junior high? Right? I mean, come on. It can be one of the most vicious places on the face of the earth. And it can be really hurtful. Why? Because we just do that. We hurt each other. We find ways to be evil towards one another and cause that kind of hurts. And we see it right away in the scriptures. Genesis 1 and 2, remember, all is good. Everything's fine. God, God and Adam and Eve walk in the garden. Genesis 3, sin enters the world. The fabric of the world is broken. And right away in Genesis 4, somebody causes pain and suffering in somebody else's life. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why are you, why are you looking so sad? Do what is right. Then you'll be accepted. If you don't do what is right, sin is waiting at your door to grab you. It longs to have you. But you must rule over it. And I love verse 8 is like that. We just had this great explanation, this great warning by God. And right away in verse 8, it is like Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. So they went out. There Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. What's the truth? The truth is we're going to have suffering in our lives because other people will do things that cause it. Uh, many of you know my own life, that when I was uh, 13 years old, uh, I lost my father uh, to a drunk driver. Don't know his name. Don't know anything about the guy. Here's what I know. He got up on that particular day and he decided to go to the bar in the morning and drink his breakfast. And by 1 o'clock in the afternoon, he was behind the wheel of a car, and he hit my father, pushed him into oncoming traffic, and my father was killed instantly. What's the truth? I didn't do anything. Dad didn't do anything. God didn't do anything. A guy got up and drank breakfast, and he killed my dad. It's a simple truth, isn't it? We will experience suffering because other people just do things that are absolutely that dumb and that hurtful. And we're left simply with the consequences of it. We will experience pain and suffering simply because other people cause it in our lives. And harder than that. And this is the one we really don't like. This is the answer we really don't like most of all. You ready? Sometimes we'll experience suffering in our lives just because we cause it ourselves. We just do it. We, we, just, we just do it. It's a principle in Galatians 6. It says, don't be fooled. You can't outsmart God. A man gathers a crop from what he plants. That's the principle. Some people plant to please their sinful nature. From that nature, they will harvest death. Others plant to please the Holy Spirit. From the Spirit, they will harvest eternal life. It's the principle. It's the, the reap what you sow principle, right? Let me, let me give you an illustration. You ready? If you decide tomorrow morning that for the rest of your life, as short as it's going to be, you get up and every day you drink a pint of whiskey. Don't blame God when your liver goes to heck. 
Amen? I mean, that's the way it works. If you get up and, and drink, you know, a bottle of whiskey every single day, what's going to happen to your liver? It's not going to live. And so the reality is, when we do things like that, when we do things that are hurtful and harmful, we're going to reap the outcome of that in our own lives. And, and so sometimes our suffering just comes because we just do things. Because remember, we live in this world. We're part of this world. And we have a broken nature along with a broken world. And so we're going to experience the pain of that. Now I want you to notice, so far we have given you the four key answers to the sources of suffering, right? Sometimes suffering comes because we're in a broken world. Sometimes suffering comes uh, because other people cause it. Sometimes suffering comes uh, because uh, we cause it. And sometimes suffering comes, what's the one I'm forgetting? Thank you, you got it. Anyway, there's four of them there, right? Sometimes it's a broken world. Uh, come on, how can I not remember that? There it is, broken world. Evil wins, there it is. That's what I was forgetting. See, I always do that. I always want to forget evil. Okay, get me back to where I was, will you guys? There you go. Thank you. So, I mean, so you got the four answers, okay? Those are the four answers. Now, the, the trouble for us is when we're trying to answer the question, there is a fifth reality, okay? It's not a source. It's not a cause. Because in all of this, notice, nowhere along the way, nowhere along the way, have we said God is the answer, that God caused our suffering, right? There's enough to go around. God doesn't have to cause it. The fourth reality, though, the fourth thing that's going on when suffering happens in our life is this one right here. That in our suffering, God is working to create the opportunity to do something big. And so often when suffering comes our way, our reaction to God is to go to God and say, God, why are you doing this? And we've already answered it. He's not. It's not him. So what is he doing? The answer is, when suffering God comes, it is an opportunity for God to do something glorious in our lives. Let me prove it to you. John 9. Jesus is doing ministry. And it says, uh, Jesus went along, he saw a man who was blind. He had been blind since he was born. Why was he blind? Because he was born blind. Remember, sin entered the world and infected the process of creation itself. And so people get born with blindness. We know the cause of his blindness, right? The disciples come along and they say, Rabbi, who sinned? Was this man born blind because he sinned? Or did his parents sin? That is the classic Old Testament answer to why suffering happens. The Old Testament answer is, well, suffering happens because somebody sinned. Right? So if you go into the book of Job, you look at the suffering going on. His wife comes to him and says, Job, man, you must have done something really bad. And his three friends come to him and every one of them say the same thing. They come along and say, whoa, Job, you must have really done something bad. Right? And so the disciples are following the Job thing and saying, well, this guy must have done something really bad or his parents must have done something really bad. And what's Jesus' answer? No, it isn't because this man sinned and it isn't because his parents sinned. 
No, he's part of a broken world. And in a broken world, suffering happens because the fabric of the creative process itself is broken. But there's an alternative. The alternative, Jesus points out. He says, this happened so that God's work could be shown in his life. What's going on? We've already answered suffering, right? We already get that. We got to remember is when it comes, it's an opportunity for God to do something great in our lives. This is why James could make the incredible statement that that uh, that, G, that James makes. Uh, where is it? James makes an incredible statement that says we can even welcome suffering and have joy in our suffering. Why? Because God is able to do something we can't imagine. You can see it in Joseph, in the experience of Joseph. I won't read through the whole thing, but in the experience of Joseph, you get, you know, Joseph thrown in the pit, sold into slavery. You know, he goes into jail. All this suffering happens to this guy. And by the time it's all over, his brothers are in front of him. And, and Joseph says, look, God has sent me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive and, and preserve many survivors. So it was God who sent me here, not you. What does Job get? Job gets, or I mean, uh, Joseph gets that he went through all this suffering, absolutely hard, difficult, painful, and probably in there somewhere he was saying, why is this happening? But by the time it's over, he can look backward and say, listen, what this really was, this was really an opportunity for God to do something incredible. That's what it was. It was an opportunity for God to do something incredible. And so this is the statement James made, because that's true. He says, dear brothers and sisters, when trouble comes your way, consider it what? An opportunity. That's incredible. Instead of receiving suffering and saying, God, why are you doing this? We've already answered he's not. We already got the four reasons suffering happens. No, the question for us is, what is the possibility of what God could do in your life in that moment in the middle of your suffering? I can prove it to you. I shared with you, my dad was killed by that drunk driver. I am absolutely, utterly convinced that I would not be standing in front of you today. I would have not had 32 years of ministry with people if God hadn't used that moment to do good work in my life. I wouldn't be here. I didn't know it at the time. I didn't sit in the back seat of that car as a 13-year-old kid with tears rolling down my face and saying, Oh, it's a God opportunity. <laughs> but I know it was. I know today it was. And God was ready to do something big in my life with that moment. And that's allowed me to walk with people in their suffering for, for my whole ministry. Because I know every suffering moment is an opportunity. For God to lay the groundwork to do something big. You see, the problem for us is when suffering comes, we ask the wrong question. We ask the wrong question. Our question is, God, why are you doing this? It's the wrong question. The reality is, Romans points out, for everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious uh, standards. The reality is, why does suffering come? Because we deserve it. You're not going to like that, right? But that's the truth. We deserve it. 
Because we're part of the broken world. We're as sinful and selfish as everybody else that walks the face of the earth. We say, why does bad things happen to good people? The reality is, there aren't any. Good people don't exist. No matter how many good things they do. They're still sinful, selfish, focused people. There aren't any. And we all deserve it. This is the amazing truth of our suffering. There's another why question that gets asked. And it gets asked when Jesus is on the cross. And Jesus says, my God, my God, why? Why have you abandoned me? And the answer is, because of you. And because... God loves you so incredibly much that he will come into every moment of your suffering. He will walk in every challenge in your life. He will never let you go when evil is trying to get a hold of you. He will walk with you. He will persevere with you. And he will lead you out of an empty tomb. And he will take you to a life you never dreamed of. Because he is a good God. That's it. He's a good God. And he enters suffering for our good. And it's the wrong question. The answer is, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for even us. That's the answer. And there's a better question. The better question is, God, when suffering comes, what are you going to do with it, God? How are you going to use my life, God? God, how can I endure this in your strength and power and make a statement in this world with my life as broken as it is and say, my life belongs to Jesus Christ and he will persevere. You see, that's the question that happened on the day of resurrection when the women went to the tomb. The women go to the tomb and they're terrified and there's an angel there and he asks a why question. The why question. Why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? You see, when we say, God, why do bad things happen to good people? God, why are you doing this to me? It's the dead question. The life question. The life question is, God, how can you use me? How can you take this moment, as hard as it is, as difficult as it is in my life, how can you take this moment and bring glory to your name? That's a life question. I want to tell you, I stand up here today because I went through a suffering as a 13-year-old kid. And I know what I'm telling you today is absolutely, utterly true. You will go through suffering. For all those reasons, you'll go through suffering. But you have a good God. And this good God will bring you to a life. He will bring you through the suffering. He will persevere with you. And he will bring you to the other side. And he will give you the opportunity to say, Jesus Christ is alive. And so am I. Let's pray together. Father, thank you. It is so hard. Lord, we, just, we don't want to minimize today the difficulty. We don't minimize the hurt. We don't minimize the... The angst that goes with the things we face. It is tough, God. Just as tough as nails being pounded. As a whip cutting the flesh. And yet we know in that experience, you made that emphatic statement. You are with us. You are in this world. 
you are in our lives. And no matter the world being broken, no matter evil coming after us, no matter the things that other people do, no matter the stupid things we do, you will not let us go. And you will persevere with us. And you will bring us to that time when we can say, Jesus is Lord even in the suffering. And so, Father, we ask today, when it comes, give us the right question. God, how can you use it? God, how can you bring glory to your name, even in this darkest and deepest of challenge? Give us such a question, we ask, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.